It's Baseball and Beyond, presented by Mass's Restaurant today. A Hall of Famer, one of my all-time favorites. I get very excited when I get to spend some time with Osborne Earl Smith. Hello, Osborne. Hello, how are you? I'm wonderful. You know, do people ever call you Osborne? Do they even know your middle name? Is that something people remember? I, I, just, I think it was a Jack Buck thing. Osborne Earl Smith with another great one. <laughs> you know, uh, just people real close to me. I knew that when my mom said Osborne Earl, she was serious. <laughs> and I was probably in trouble. Uh, when uh, Jack Buck did it, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it was different. Mm. <laughs> and then uh, the only other person that calls me by my middle name was Whitey. You know, hey, Earl. Yeah. I guess Osborne was a little hard to, to pronounce. And in, the, in baseball, we always use, um, we always try and use nicknames or, or we shorten a name in some way, you know. So Whitey was the only one that called me Earl. Uh, Jack Buck was the only one that called me Osborne Earl. And uh, my mom called me Osborne Earl Smith when I was really in trouble. Didn't hear that a lot, I'm sure. Well, more than I, more than I wanted to. <laughs> so we're at one of your many offices in St. Louis. So I didn't know. I mean, I think I heard you open this place, but I kind of got a chance to look around today. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. You have some businesses around the area, including the one we're sitting at now. Just kind of tell people what uh, what you're up to. Well, you know, two years ago, um, I had surgery on my on my shoulder. No, longer than two years ago, but I uh, was still having some some aches and pains. And I'd heard about PRP, which I had not tried. I was introduced to a couple guys from Paducah, Kentucky, where we used to have cardinal caravans. They probably still do have cardinal caravans that go through there. So that, that was my uh, knowledge of Paducah. And um, I was introduced to these chiropractors from Paducah who had opened a clinic called the IMAX Center, um, Integrated Medicine and Chiropractic. And um, there are so many people that go from this area down there that they – thought about opening a facility here in St. Louis, and uh, they asked me if I'd be interested in partnering with them. Um, and after the PRP worked so well for me, um, you know, I decided that I would partner with them, and that was two years ago, and here we are now with the Ozzie Smith IMAC Regeneration Center, which we do PRP, we do stem cell. It's a pain management uh, center, and uh, for, there are a lot of people who can't have surgeries for whatever reason. There are a lot of people that don't want surgeries. And we are that, uh, that conduit to uh, helping them reduce their pain and hopefully get them off of uh, pain medicines. Yeah, I have a little lower back issue now, so I'm going to take a look a little. Okay. Uh, but it is funny because I, I was thinking about any time I say, oh, I'm getting ready, I'm going to talk to Ozzy today, I, any of my friends get all geeked up. And I, you know, we're at this age now where we're old and we shouldn't be geeked up, yeah. but we still do. And I just get curious about that for you. Do you still get, maybe even people my age, some people younger, I mean, you played a long time as yeah. a Cardinal, so you have a, a full swath of generation to talk to, but... Do you get that a lot still? I mean, and I'm not just saying, you know, autograph shows because you're going to have that. But, I mean, just on the street where you can tell that someone is, is geeked up to, to see Ozzy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's great. We, we, I consider us some of the luckiest people in the world because of the way we can, we can touch people. And a lot of times it's really just being able to say hi. It's like walking into, uh, uh, where did I go today? I went to... Um, um, Cheesecake Factory. No, it wasn't Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I'm just yeah. making some. Um, sports Authority. No, it wasn't Sports Authority. It was... Uh, Massa's Restaurant, no. the title sponsor of the Baseball and Beyond. You had no, the chicken cantaloupe. Let me tell you, I'm get, getting old. No, but uh, I, I went into a place, and the guy says to me, Wow, it's Ozzie Smith. And, 
You know, I've been here so long that it was, it, it behooves me that everybody hasn't seen me at some point in time <laughs> in, the, in this town. Mm-hmm. But it just goes to show you that, you know, you, you run into people every day that you don't know. And I've had so many people come up to me when I'm out and about that say they come up and thank me for the times that we had down at Bush Stadium, you know, for entertaining them over the years and and stuff. And it's a great feeling because sometimes just to be able to say hi to somebody and shake their hand is uh, is the best feeling in the world. And uh, it 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 really, I guess, make people feel good to know or feel that they were a part of something very, very special. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, too, because whenever I see Red, I'm like, oh, that's Red Shandy. But I never saw him play. We might get to a point right. where you'll have people just, oh, that's Ozzy. I never saw him, but I know that my dad well, loved him. We have him. that now. We have that now. And, and really um, keeping our memories alive is done through their parents. And, you know, a lot of the young kids that come to card shows and stuff, um, they're able to follow it on YouTube. And they go on YouTube and see it because their parents tell them, you know, you should you should Google this guy here. and 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 see what he does and then the kid comes up and says oh you're the guy that did the flip you know that was amazing mm-hmm. you know so it uh it, it was a very special time to to have the opportunity to perform for people and and uh hopefully you know the, the people that had a chance to see me play hopefully they, they enjoyed it in some way even if they were uh rooting for the other team it's funny you said the flip because i i just remember all the great plays and being on on mm-hmm. twib every saturday which is something i also wanted to think of is you know you've got mlb tonight you got baseball tonight you got all these shows so it almost gets lost you had to go saturday morning and watch twib to see what That's was right. going on and you were on every week um what did that make did you strive to be on this week in baseball and did you know that they were showing you every week no. and, and it was that's I'm going to say partially, you know, this this writes your ticket to the Hall of Fame, I think. Yeah. Everyone gets to see you on that show. No, you know, one of the good things, uh, I got to follow Mel Allen as one of the, the hosts of This That's Week right. in Bay. Hello, everybody. This is Mel Allen. Welcome, welcome to This Week in Baseball. And, um, I, you know, in doing that show. Well, I didn't know you did impressions, by the way. That oh, was yeah, well, you know, it wasn't very good, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, the great Mel Allen, that was the way we got our baseball back then. Mm-hmm. And, um uh, I had no idea when I started playing that, you know, I would I would be in the highlights. And, you know, uh, some of the first highlights that I think that we started seeing was on Twibs, you know, Twib Notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was I was on there a few times, you know, which was really pretty cool. And Sometimes just, twice uh, in the same highlight package. Yeah, Here's yeah. Ozzy. He had three this week. <laughs> yeah. So that was very, very special and, and stuff. And I, I just consider myself very fortunate to have had the opportunity to to play professionally for 19 years and, and be a part of what I consider one of the best eras in baseball because people ask me today, they say, well, who were some of the toughest pitchers you had to face? And I say the likes of uh, J.R. Richard, Nolan Ryan, Fergie Jenkins, Tom Seaver, Steve Carlton, Jerry Kuzman. I mean, and these are guys, are the majority of them are Hall of Famers. And I had to learn to hit against the likes of these guys and uh, – that wasn't very pleasant. That wasn't a lot of fun. You're, uh, of course, we talk defense. We always have to talk about the mm-hmm. home run. I think anytime I see you have to talk. Yeah. But I think the one thing that I, it strikes me now that I think about is the fact that imagine if this home run was hit in 2016 in the World Series or NLCS, oh, yeah. the game would stop. Yeah. And you'd go to replay, and you'd have to see if it went over the wall, and we wouldn't have the go-crazy moment and the pumping of the fist. No. And that sort of makes me mad because – that's what is about it's between you and Jack but have you ever thought about the fact that you hit this home run today 
we're not having that moment, and you don't have that moment. Has yeah. that ever come up? You ever think of that, or is it, and does it bother you that that? I know I mean replay is kind of good for the game, but it's kind of not organic. About the replay, you know, I think what part of what the the replay has taken away from the game is one of the fun parts of it. One of the fun parts of it was watching a manager go out and and uh, get into it with an umpire. The argument part of it has certainly been taken away now because you do have instant replay where you can go back and instead of a guy coming out um, without having to think about it, you know, just rushing out at the moment and being caught in the moment, now it's, it's, it's smothered because you're looking over at the bench going yay or nay. <laughs> and so it was fun watching Tommy Lasorda, Earl Weaver, Lou Pinello, who was one of my favorites. I know that at some point in time, Lou as a manager trying to kick that cap was going to miss it and pull a hamstring <laughs> and they were going to have to carry him off the field. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you, that re, as baseball fans really, uh, I think, got into and, and really had an appreciation for it. But that part of the game has been taken away now because of instant replay. I think instant replay was originally designed to determine whether or not the ball was fair or foul or whether or not it went over the fence or it didn't. And now we've, we're using it in every phase of the game. Um, and you'll have Cardinal fans who will look back and say, well, if we'd had instant play, replay in 1985, <laughs> we'd have won another world championship. But, you know, um, <laughs> that's water under the bridge there. And, then, yes, that would have been nice. And back then all you had, and I think the thing that irritated us the most, was that he didn't even ask for any help back then, you know, if somebody else had a better angle. He just made the decision himself. And I think that that's, that's what – irritated us more than anything is the fact that he didn't even check with anyone. We're talk- I guess we're talking umpires. How was your relationship with Eric Gregg? Because I remember some videos back in the early, late 90s, early 90s, you guys had some fun. I couldn't tell if you were having fun with him or if you really did not enjoy. You gave him a little one of these with the big the arms and you got yeah. mad at him. You guys get along? I mean, did you have umpires that yeah, you liked and didn't like? I got, or? Along with mo- I got along with most of the guys. There was always going to be somebody. There was a guy named um, Steve Ripley mm-hmm. who... I guess for most of us, there's always one guy. Um, there was I know Terry Pendleton had another guy that was, and I can't think of his name, that, that he never got along with. And Whitey, of course, never got along with Doug Harvey. <laughs> you know, so we all have these one or two people that we don't get along with. But for the most part, I was able to get along with everybody because I know how tough that job is. Not an easy job. And uh, so I didn't go out trying to create controversy or, or, or show up an umpire in any way. Uh, but in, in battle, you know, sometimes, especially when you're at the plate and a guy consistently misses pitches on you that you know are, are balls. I was a guy that didn't strike out a lot, you know, so I had a, a you know pretty good idea what the strike zone was. And with this guy here, I just always had a, you know, he just had a problem calling balls and strikes on me, and um, it just never worked. But with other guys, I had a. It was great because I could say um, to another umpire, "Hey, man, you missed it." He go, "Yeah, you know what, wizard? I may have." <laughs> and you know, yeah. now as a as a player, if a guy missed, yeah, I might have missed it. Well, what I'd look stupid there, you know, arguing with the guy. Right. But I mean, admit that you know you're human, and hey, you may have missed it. But but you have problems with people who say, "No, I didn't miss it." You you know. Get back in the get back in the box and hit. Yeah, yeah, we have a problem with, with guys like that. Must have been a Rafael Santana fan or something. <laughs> but I, I did, uh, and, and I also think about these rivalries that are you can't really get them anymore because because of the wild card. Yeah. 
The two that you guys had uh, that were big, obviously, was the Mets, and then obviously was the Giants. And I think what's funny about these two rivalries, from what I've learned from talking to your your group, you guys seem like you really respected the Mets. I think you guys sort of had this sort of quiet, okay, they're good, we're good. I don't think you liked the Giants. I felt like there was more of a, and you didn't play them a lot, so there was, but there was brawls every other yeah, year with them. Was, you had Will I, Clark. I mean, there was a certain arrogance to them. Uh, you know, I think that one of the first times we went out there and we played them in the playoffs, and I think it was 1987. 87, yeah, yeah. was the playoffs. Well, you know, with the wives and girlfriends and stuff, when they were walking to their seats, they were popping their balloons and all that stuff, and it, it was just a, it, it was a different, yeah, we had a rivalry with the Mets and stuff, but I think we respected each other. With San Francisco, I'm not sure that they really respected, you know, what we were accomplishing. Whether you liked it or not, we were who we were, and we we were where we were. And so um, there were a couple times that I think that they felt that they were a much better club, and we ended up beating them, and they didn't take too kindly to that, which is okay, you know, because it's all about competing. It's not about who has the best team on paper and so forth and so on. And a couple times I think we beat them with, you know, with a couple of our main guys down, and they just they didn't take too kindly to that. And I think that part of the uh, the brawl that we had was uh, had to do one time with I think Vince stole a base, stole second or third base early in a game where we were up by five or six runs. And there's kind of an unsaid rule in baseball that you know with a four or five run lead you don't you don't steal second or you don't steal third base but you know we weren't a home run hitting ball club and it was early in the ball game too you know so i think one of the things that whitey talked about was that if you send a note over saying we're not going to try and score any more runs <laughs> then we'll stop trying to score runs the way that we do them mm-hmm. and i think that was the the first big deal and i think that was with mike kruko and um he got his collarbone broken, I think, you know, and, and trying to sneak attack Vince there. And then the other one, uh, I think, was with Will Clark sliding in and, and intentionally trying to hurt somebody at second base. Now, we don't mind guys sliding in hard to break up the double play, but when you start sliding beyond the bag and you're intentionally trying to hurt somebody, and that, that changes things. And I think that that's what that was all about. And, um, you know, he was doing it on a, on a regular basis. And then you realize that, hey, I told the umpire, I said, you know, second base is our only protection out here. And if you start allowing guys to slide beyond second base, you know, we don't have any protection. And, and that's how that, that thing there got started. But they've changed those rules, so I guess, you know, you won't, unless you're really doing it, you're going to see brawls still. But you don't see them as much because the rules have kind of fixed that. Well, the rules have, have certainly um, – I think the rule was always there. I'm not sure it was always enforced. <laughs> it's true. That is it's, true. Yeah, you're right, you're I, right. I, I think it, it, it wasn't enforced. You know, they became so lax with the rule. But I think it was one that was always there that you got to be able should be able to touch the bag. But they had let it get they they let it get away, and and so they had to bring it back. And because the bag has always been a protection for the middle infielder, and you always use that bag as your protection. And uh, I always tried to make it a habit that I touched the bag, but then they had this play called the uh, vicinity play. And I never really thought about a vicinity play. I always thought about wearing my shoe out here on the instep of my right, my right toe and kicking the bag or stepping on the bag or hitting the bag at some point in time. Now, it may have happened so quick that people didn't see it or they thought that 
sometimes because of the way I moved it, I ended up so far away from it that I didn't touch the bag. But I made it a habit of always trying to touch the bag because I knew I would never want to lose a ball game that way from a fundamental standpoint of making sure that you touch the bag with the, with the ball in your hand. We will get back to Ozzie Smith in a moment, and he'll talk about his fiery and contentious relationship with Tony La Russa. I think it's really interesting when he gets into that, and he really, really opens up towards the end when we start talking about some uh, fun moments at the Hall of Fame. So uh, I haven't heard Ozzy talk like this in an interview, so I, th- I think you'll enjoy it. But you know why we're taking this break. It's time to talk about my favorite restaurant in all of St. Louis. I don't know why I'm putting on a voice. Mass's Restaurant. That's right. They're in St. Louis, if you're listening in Australia, like my, my pal Nick. Or if you're listening in Atlanta, like my pal Jace, who I spent some time with, who told me he loved the Chip Carey interview. And by the way, if you're listening to this one and you're like, oh, look at that, Bob Costas, Chip Carey, Vince Coleman, Bernie Federko, plenty of interviews that maybe you haven't heard. This is uh, episode 20. It's crazy. We've done 20 of these. But anyway, where was I going with that? Yes, though, they were listening to these and they're like, boy, I want to try masses when I come to St. Louis. You know, I'm out of town. And uh, I want to have some. So they, they've, they've listened to this podcast, and they know that Masses Restaurants has five locations in St. Louis. There's one in town and country. There's one out in Winghaven, the old place by the airport in Bridgeton, the one in Baldwin. That's where I had lots of fun back in my 20s, early 30s, and still do. There's five locations. STLMasses.com is where you can look up those locations and directions and look at menus. They're the title sponsor of this podcast. I love it there. They've got great food, Italian fare. They've got sandwiches. They've got pastas. They've got pizzas. Have, have you heard? I don't know if you've heard about the Big Al special. Have I talked about that? It's a St. Louis-style pizza with bacon and sausage, and it is delicious. I suggest if you want it. To be truly the Big Al special, you got to get the largest size possible and then eat the whole thing yourself. Don't share it with anybody, and you'll feel great about yourself after you've done that. You'll, uh, you'll, you'll sit back from the table, and you'll look at everybody and say, ha I ate that whole thing. So Massa's Restaurants in St. Louis, they're the title sponsor of this podcast. I really appreciate them plunking down some cash to be the title sponsor and uh you know if you go in and tell them brad sent you your podcast friend you never know you never know those bartenders you know they're a hoot they are just a hoot those waitresses and waiters they are a hoot i talk about it every time i do this podcast but it is a fun place for whatever you're trying to do you're going on a first date go to masses it's romantic you want to Plan a birthday party, maybe a 70th birthday party for someone special in your life. They will give you a big space and say, just go over there. We're going to send you some apps. Enjoy your time there. If you're trying to uh, enjoy maybe a uh, closing of a high school, which I was at a couple weeks ago, and you want to tell everybody, hey, after homecoming, come over here. We're all going to join up and have some fun at the bar. It really can be anything you want it to be. It's Masses Restaurants. It's so much fun. I hope you're enjoying me talk about them. (laughs) I don't know why you would, but anyway. The last thing I want to mention and remind you is that I do a a blog, kind of a companion piece to the podcast. A lot of peas there. Hopefully I'm not popping. 
but it's bradsportspage.blogspot.com, bradsportspage.blogspot.com. I give you some videos of stuff that we talked about last week with Vince Coleman. We talked about him being, um, let's say, slightly inebriated after a, a, a clincher. So you see video of him doing his thing. Also, uh, the night that he got run over by the tarp, I have the video there of of Dick Enberg announcing that. So I try to find up some, some classic stuff. With Bernie Federko, I, I just pulled up some great classic Bernie Federko highlights from the 70s and 80s. So it's bradssportspage.blogspot.com. I've rambled enough. Ozzy's going to talk about his relationship with Tony and some great Hall of Fame stories. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate Massa's Restaurant for being the title sponsor. Let's get back to the podcast with Ozzy right now. Did you ever go or think about coaching after and sort of minor leagues or, or I mean it just seems I've seen you do this at fantasy camp where you put on a session that is worth the price of admission. Um, you don't look at first base, you just throw it over and it's crazy. And I tell you the one greatest moment of my if anybody cares my favorite fantasy camp moment, Ozzy, and I'll tell you now was my first day. They said, all right, everybody, go out and just play somewhere and just take position. So my first ground ball, you stand at second base and go, all right, get it over here. Let's turn two. So I decided, hey, Ozzy, watch this. And I throw it behind my back. And you went up and barehanded because it was a terrible throw, and you got it. And I said, camp over. I'll, take, <laughs> I'll see you later. But back to my question. Did, yeah. uh, did you ever think about it? Because I, mean, I, I think you've got so much knowledge. Like you just talked about the, the, the play that you made at second, which I can see in my head. How you, I remember you doing that. Did you ever, yeah. ever think about kind of bringing this? You do it at spring training, I guess, with the, yeah. the Cardinals, so you're not, but not full-time. No, not, not full-time. Um, you know, as time has gone on, you know, I think that it, it probably would have happened had things – gone the way that they had my career ended the way it should have ended. Uh, but because of the way that it ended, um, with Tony coming in and taking over, I wasn't really welcome. I didn't feel welcomed. You know, so uh, could I have gone somewhere else? Yeah, I probably could have gone somewhere else and became a coach or whatever, but that wouldn't have been right for me to go somewhere else because this was home for me. I was a face of the organization for 15 years. and And so... Uh, with that, all of the aspirations or chance or idea of me being a coach and stuff just kind of just kind of diminished. How would you have liked it to end? Because I've talked to you this about this for the first time this this spring, and I was interested. It just doesn't seem like there will ever be any kind of uh, closure between you two, and I understand that. Somebody, if somebody, you know, if you and Tony can't get together, he's kind of strong-willed, but mm-hmm. how would you have liked it to see it? And what did happen? I mean, what was, it was basically the fact that you hit, you did everything you were told to do at spring, and, and then you weren't playing, right? And that's pretty well, much... You know, I, here again, I, I, I think that I was told certain things. I, I was told that if, in fact, I played better, I would be the guy playing. Not that it should have been that way. If it was that interested in him being a part of the team and being a part of the offense, put him in second base. I, you know, I, I, here again, it wasn't like I was being wheeled out there in a wheelchair. I was still very functional. Was I like I was at 25? Nobody is at 25. But I was still pretty good at what I did, even at 40, 41. And um, I played extremely well in spring training. I felt I, I played extremely well in spring training. I knew that my arm was uh, was as strong as it had, it had been in a long time, and I was able to get it in positions that I hadn't been before because I went down and worked extremely hard with Mackie Shillstone, who had be, been my trainer since 1985. And so um, things, were, things were better for me health-wise, 
and I was still very, very good at what I did. And I didn't think that anything that I did in spring training or anything that I did during the year did anything to help hurt this club. And so uh, from that standpoint, it just, you know, it, it was just really disheartening. And I was being made to look like I was trying to stop progress. I was being painted as this guy who was in the way of of the success of this club, and uh, I didn't feel that that was uh, that was fair at all to to be characterized as a as a troublemaker, uh, a guy who would take a faction and say, "Hey, you don't don't play hard for this guy." Or I would never, I was never that type of player. But these were the type of things that I that that I was hearing, and I didn't want to leave this game. Um, being thought of that way as a guy who was a troublemaker who and I and I never um, I was never really given the opportunity to even sit down and 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 talk about you know how how this 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 thing should should end or, or stuff you know I look around baseball and other guys had the opportunity to walk away from the game the way they wanted that's what you work for mm-hmm. being able to walk away from it and I respected the game enough to know that if I couldn't go out there and, and be productive for a ball club, I wasn't going to stand in the way of, uh, of the progress of, an org- of this organization. Certainly, um, I respected uh, this organization, this city, myself, um, enough that I would not be one of those players that would just there just be hanging on. And I wasn't a hanger-oner. Yeah, and you, but it was incredibly awesome to see you come back and wear the red jacket. And it I don't know if it's putting differences aside, but you guys both stand out there on opening day and playoff games. Well, you and know what? I'm a, I was a professional at what I did. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to allow that to keep me from being in the place that I should be. This is, this is where I should be, you know. This was a big part of my life. Your number's on the wall. It's on the wall, you know, so... Why, why, why should you know? Why should I allow somebody to walk in here and and, and make it any different? You know, um, it, it's it was a little disheartening that that no one. Well, I didn't feel that anyone really stood up and said, "Hey, you know, we don't feel that same way." Um, and I think when when you, when you look back at it now, you know, well, when I look back at it now, um, that probably was the thing that that hurt the most, especially. Ten years after I get invited to spring, well, there was some question about whether or not I would come to spring training and stuff. And then I said, you know, there's nothing there for for me. I haven't been there in ten years, you know. So I get disinvited to spring training. And nobody in the organization says, you know, you're a Hall of Famer. You're always invited to spring training, as I should have been, always invited to spring training. But that's the way it was. It didn't work. Um... And stuff. So what do you do? Either you, you, um, you let it eat you the rest of your life, or you move on. And so I chose to move on. And uh, you know, it wasn't the most pleasant of times for me. But you know what? I, I I tried to look at at all of the great moments and times that I've had here, and and uh, I think that overshadows any of that stuff. I totally think so. Yeah. Winding down. I appreciate your time as always. Uh, just a few players. 
Well, Willie McGee, uh, obviously a great friend. I heard Vince telling a great story about his two-strike approach, uh, if you want to relay that, Vince was telling that. But just the, the this guy, there's a picture outside this, this room that's you and him at, in the broadcast booth. You guys did the commercials in 96. You took him in. I mean, and you're smiling. I mean, that's, I think, everybody. We don't know him as well as you do. Fans, I, I know him decently. Fans out there, hardly, but you just can't help but smile. He is who he is, who you see, right? I mean, what? any the, favorite story? And the two-strike story is pretty funny. And one of the most popular players that ever on the Cardinal uniform, even to the, today. You know, um, what you saw with Willie is what you got. And, you know, his efforts were honest. Um, he was the same player, one and always he was, oh, uh, uh, 0 and 2, <laughs> 2 and 0. You know, that was just Willie. And I think that that was really one of the things that they got Willie uh, traded, you know, the fact that people were talking about, well, it doesn't swing his strikes. Well, Willis never swung his strikes, but he can take a, a ball that's not a strike and hit it, you know, 500 feet. And he probably still has hit one of the longest home runs I've ever seen that. hit in Bush Stadium down down the left field line up in the upper, upper deck on a, on a slow breaking ball and, and stuff. So he's one of those special people who is very humble, who is very – takes a lot of pride in his work, um, that enjoyed, uh, he enjoyed what he did. I mean, he worked very hard at it and wanted to be, uh, he wanted to be that guy that, that people respected when, when, they, when, they went, when they mentioned his name, you know. Um, uh, and I think that when you look at Willie and you hear his name and, and, and as he comes out, people just, they just love him because of who he is and, and the way he conducted himself. Yeah, and the story was, I think it was, what do you do on an 0-2 count? And he goes, uh, I don't let it get to two strikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, we make try, sure we don't not, get to yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, try not to get to two. I guess Tony asked him one day, you know, what's his two-strike approach? He said, two-strike approach? <laughs> try not to let it get to two strikes. <laughs> Which means, Perfect you know, Willie. I'm going to try and hit that, you know, the first fastball I see, right. you know, I'm going to be be ready to try and hit it. And and Willie was one of those, uh, he gets it in his mind that that first pitch, if the first pitch is a fastball, I'm going to swing. And he does that cartoon thing where he spins around, you know. <laughs> and scratches he, his, he scratches head. his head. He has all those little mannerisms that we all uh, came to love and, and, and know about Willie. And um, we just, he's just a great person to be around and um, one of the best friends you could ever have. Yeah, it was unfortunate he was in pain every at bat. No, he wasn't really. Yeah, I mean, it, but appeared, <laughs> it appeared that he was in pain at every at bat. And, and uh, I guess one of the, one of the stories was that, when he first came over, you know, uh, Willie struck out and gave us that look. And Bob Force goes, I'd hate to see him at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, it, was, uh, it, it, it was a lot of fun playing with him. Um, all the teams that I played with here were really, really great, great teams. And um, I had some great teammates. And you never – you don't make the Hall of Fame just by yourself. You know, you're only as good as the people that are around you. And I was surrounded by some 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 great players. And Whitey was was very effective in putting together people with high baseball IQs. That's really the that's really the key for any manager or general manager is to find guys who have high baseball IQs. They don't have to be the most talented, but if they got high baseball IQs, then they figure it out, and they figure it out without being told how to figure it out. And uh, 
you know, when I look around at some of my teammates, I'm talking Forsh and Tommy Herr and Terry Pendleton and Oberfell and Hendrick, McGee, Porter, um, you know, and I played with some great relievers too. I played with Lee Smith. I played with Eckersley. I played with Todd Warrell. Um, Hanky Suter, you have 300 Suter. saves. I think you have a, a million Suter. saves yeah. uh, from all the guys you so, played with. Yeah, so um, it was uh, that was always very, very special. I played with Raleigh Fingers. There's another one, man. Yeah, you know. So. A million 300 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I was very fortunate that I had some, some, some players that, that were very, very good at what they did, and um, it, it was fun. Yeah, and the last thing, wrapping up, Hall of Fame, you mentioned it, so I did want to ask two questions in one. That way I can act like I've asked only one question. But I appreciate your time. Uh, Hall of Fame, I always, I've talked to, I think, three Hall of Famers, four Hall of Famers during this, so always interested in your thoughts on uh, steroid guys getting in. You played in both eras, basically. You kind of came in, mm-hmm. they started coming in, although people didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah and just a, a favorite Hall of Fame story. I mean, you get to go up there and see Willie Mays and everybody. So those two questions in one. Well, you know, here again, I, I think that most people think that we as Hall of Famers do the voting as far as guys getting into the Hall of Fame. The only time that Hall of Famers have a chance to vote is if you're elected on one of the committees that determines whether or not a guy is worthy, a guy who's come off the ballot. Yeah, I think more of just a preference. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to be your vote. I don't even know if you want to even get, go into it, but it's just more of a I'm a Hall of Famer, and yes, they should or no, they you know. Well, and, and and my thing is, you just know. I know how hard it is to play this game, and I know what you guys. I've seen it. I've traveled with the team, so I see what you guys go through just to get on the field. I talk about Albert all the time. I don't know how he hit 360 and did what he did with, with the injury. So I I do understand what it takes. That's a pro, just me meandering. Yeah, it's, it's uh, <laughs> sorry. No, I, here We're again. We run out of time, Ozzy. No, <laughs> no Brad, I, I, I think that the sports writers, I think, have spoken very clearly that it's not fair, it's not a level playing field. When you, when you look at what people like Hank Aaron um, and all the guys accomplished, and Frank Robinson, guys that did it right, um, it's not fair to be compared to guys who use performance-enhancing drugs. Now, Pete Rose, Pete Rose, I think, did something stupid or something that wasn't supposed to be done. But if we start allowing guys who we know have been associated with steroids into the Hall of Fame, then he certainly deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because what he accomplished on the baseball field was unparalleled. And so if he's been banned from the game of baseball, for betting on baseball, then guys that have been associated with PEDs should not be allowed in the, in the game. And your second question was? Favorite story? So, I mean, Lou Brock's got a great one where he's sitting at a table and it's Willie Mays and, it's, yeah. and there's Lou there. I mean, you just got the well, greats of the greats there, and they, you're, you're in that club. Well, you know, the pitchers and the, and the catchers, they're the sophisticated ones, you know. <laughs> So they they all bring these high price wines and stuff, you know. So we, we kind of meander over there, you know. Hey, you know, how about a glass? Or so I ah, get get the hell out of here, you know. No, no, get out of here. So I go over to May Willie, and I said, Hey Willie, um, could we get some some of that wine over here? Because we were the Judies, you know. <laughs> we got a Judy table, punch and Judy, know, Judy tables, you know. So we're sitting over here, and we got the cheap wine and stuff. So I said, Willie, they, uh, 
could you get us, could you bring us some, some wine? Can we get some wine? He goes over there and he grabs a bottle and he comes over and he starts pouring it. And so I'm sitting there looking at all of the pitchers and the catchers. They ain't saying nothing. I walk over there and get some wine. He goes, get the fuck, get out of here, you know. Get out of here. So Willie goes over there and he grabs a bottle and he comes over and he starts pouring it for everybody. And they're all sitting there like this. <laughs> so when Willie walks away, they come over there and they go, we're going to kill you. We're going to get you. I said, well, why, you didn't tell him? why didn't you tell him? You didn't say that to him. <laughs> so I say that to say that, you know, Willie is very highly respected at the Hall of Fame. And so... If you want something done, or you want to get something done, you 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 ask somebody like Mays or Frank Robinson, and they won't bother you because we, you know, Willie with that. What? They won't have no wine. Oh, I'll get that goddamn wine. There's a hierarchy of the Hall of Fame. That's I right. like that. Others here, here, That's here. Right. You should be up there. Well, not yet. Not right. yet. I'm. You know. You gotta get a wheelchair, then you'll still yeah. be like, "Oh, there's Ozzy." Here he comes, you know. White Moose Club, bro. No, it's a, it's a, it's always a great time going up there. I always had a great time sitting and visiting with um, Tony Gwynn, you know, who, you know, he he sat at the Judy table and got <laughs> Rod Carew at the Judy table. Ricky Henderson sits there sometimes, but he wasn't the real Judy, you know. And He's got every table he could sit. Right. He could sit at every table. Ryan Sandberg. Craig Bezio. Craig mm-hmm. Bezio's not a he's not a Judy. No. I mean he, we made him sit there this first year as a rookie, but he's not a Judy. He, he had a 250, 260 home run. Now is there name plates or did you just no, Craig, just, you go over there? We just, just we just know you that point. You, you yeah. go over there. And it as rookies, you know, they they do what they're told. And so uh the Judy table is pretty big, but we have the most fun. I we sit there with Juan Marshall and Orlando Cepeda and you know, uh, one of the other stories was that I try and get things going between those two, and I go, hey, Juan, did he ever take you deep? And and I've already talked to Cha-Cha, and I know he took him deep, right? So he says, Dad, you, you're never going to get it. He was telling me that when he did hit him and take him deep, he said the game was, you know, they were up five or six runs, so... You know, he threw him a nothing fastball and he hits it out of the park. And he said he followed him all the way around the bases going, you're never going to get another fastball. I'm never going to throw you another fastball. And he goes, man, what is wrong with you? Get, get away, get away. So it's little stories like that that that, uh, that you love sitting down and, and, and hearing about the battles that we all had when we were when we were playing against each other and the respect that we had for the other guy. And I think that that's one of the things that, that stands out more than anything else is that back then the respect for the game, it was like the first time that Tony Perez got a pinch hit. You know, he got called up and he pinch hit against Don Drysdale. Well, he gets over to first base and, you know, Tony could flare the ball to right field, so he flares it and drives in a couple runs. And he says when he, he's excited and he's standing on there, and when he turned around, Drysdale was standing right there. <laughs> and then I said, well, what did you say? He said, uh, I, that was Mr. Drysdale. <laughs> that, you know, so what am I going to say to Mr. Drysdale? So he said, I never want to look him in the face. And he said, I look at Ron Fairley, who was playing uh, first base, and I go, is he still looking at me? He go, yeah, he's still looking at you. So he said the next time up, of course, you know what happened. Got drilled. He yep. got drilled, yep. Yep. and he went down to first base. 
and that's just the way the game was played, you know. So, anyway, from that point, it was, you know, they got that out of the way, and they, they, they moved on, and, and, and then you battle. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a special time. Ozzy, I, I always appreciate our time. I appreciate that. We went a little long, probably, but yeah, we had so. fun, though. Yeah, we did. It's always I, fun. Yeah, maybe we'll, this is part one. Part yeah. two begins now. And now welcome to part – I'm kidding, Ozzy. <laughs> Ozzy's eyes just got really big. But uh, we thank Ozzy Smith. Like I said, always a pleasure. Uh, I grew up watching you, number one, doing the flips. This is how I got into baseball was your teams in the 80s, so I appreciate your time. It's Baseball and Beyond, presented by Masses. Follow me at Brad Stravager on Twitter and – Subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.